The Plan with Callahan podcast is brought to you by Kirby Callahan Wealth, a practice of Northeast Planning Associates. Financial planning is hard. Let them make it easy, one step at a time. Financial planning offered through Northeast Planning Associates, a registered investment advisor. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. Northeast Planning and LPL are not affiliated. Now, on with the show. Let me have your attention for a moment. Because you're talking about what? You're talking about... Mm, Money, money, money. Ah, high finance. (laughs) Bulls, bears, people from Connecticut. That's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. I'm Tommy Callahan, Big Tom Callahan's son. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Playing with Callahan podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Callahan. Got a great show for you today. What in the Kentucky Fried Chicken is going on? Finger licking, finger licking, finger licking, finger licking. It's currently over $8 for 18 brown eggs right now here in the Live Free or Die State. Over $8. That means each egg is worth 66 cents. Yeah, I'm going to do the whole I remember thing. I remember where I'd get a five cent win, okay? This is absolute madness. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. Now, what's the reason for all this? Well, apparently, we've been in the worst bird flu season in history. This goes back to 2021. And now there's claims that hopefully this issue has peaked, but we are at the highest increase in egg prices in 50 years. And eggs are in everything, a true trickle-down effect when it comes to other products. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is estimating that the average family of four is going to spend $967 per month on basic groceries. We're all feeling it. You know, me and my wife, we have three kids. Um, I know you feel the same way. Um, You know, it's frustrating when you go to the market and you buy the essentials, not even including any proteins, and you're spending close to, if not more than $100. I just don't understand the thought process in politics right now. We have basic living issues that impact everyday people. Our gas prices are through the roof, our utility bills are through the roof, and our food prices are through the roof. What else is there? We focus on the dumbest issues and we're burning the house down to try and save it. Anyway, you know, how can we deal with this mess? Well, guess what? It's belt tightening time. Don't even wear a belt. <laughs> Beltless. Inflation has a way of actually writing itself when you think about it in practice. You know, let's follow the science here, folks, right? Supply and demand is real. If the cost of milk were to spike, what are the consumers going to do? Well, first, they'll probably pay for it until the point where they can't afford it. So then they look at alternatives. Instead of giving the kids glasses of milk, they're going to drink juice, right? To the point that the market will eventually stabilize and then you'd start to see the prices come down. Now that takes a very long time to happen without a little nudge, and that's what the Federal Reserve is trying to do. We live in a country where our central bank is slightly different than most others. Our central bank has what's called a dual mandate. Its job, which it really hasn't done in the last 15 years, is to focus on controlling inflation 
and maintaining a healthy unemployment rate. Most other central banks, their only focus is inflation. Now here we are with the economy in dire times, and now we're raising interest rates to try to cure the problem. It makes sense, but the only issue is how does raising interest rates impact gas prices? It really doesn't. Unless the Fed makes the majority of the population so poor that they can't afford to put gas in their tank, those prices are mostly controlled by one thing, and that is supply, which we've almost totally shut off. It takes about a year to see the impact one interest rate hike has, and the Federal Reserve has made seven hikes in 2022 alone, and the odds are very high that they're going to make more hikes in 2023. But I just I don't know how bad it has to get for the government to realize you can't just keep printing money to alleviate all issues. You know, the U.S. government, it, it's really turned into a legal Ponzi scheme. You know, with the unlimited ability to print money, to paint over all their mistakes, and then they tell you what a great job they're doing. And that's on both sides of the aisle. So again, what can we control? Well, unfortunately, we can only control so much. But the time to be prudent is probably now. And I'm not talking about your investment allocation. This is not a call to get out of stocks and move to bonds and cash, but more so to be mindful of your discretionary spending. Not many Americans budget. It's just a fact. According to Credit Donkey, you donkey. which interesting name for that website, but only 32% of households prepare a monthly budget. And those households are the ones that have to, the ones that live hand to mouth. For middle class America, or even upper middle class America, that number is significantly smaller. Why? Because they make enough to not have to necessarily worry until all of a sudden, uh-oh, it's time to start worrying. So as I've mentioned you know, previously on our first podcast, history doesn't, have, have, history doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it has a tendency to rhyme. Let's take a look at a similar economic environment, the 1970s, high heels and high inflation, right? What are some of the similarities to the current market in the 1970s? Well, for one, we just got out of a long war. You know, we got out of Vietnam in the 70s. We exited Afghanistan a couple years ago. We're in a supply chain crisis similar to the 70s, and we're in the midst of a Cold War. Just substitute the Soviet Union with China, right? Now, BlackRock has some thoughts as to why this is not the 1970s. Rick Reeder, he's BlackRock's chief investment officer of global fixed income and a much smarter guy than me. My boy's wicked smart. Um, he says there's three reasons why we're not in the 1970s. One is organic demand growth in terms of new disposable income. Okay, really what that means is demand went through the roof in the 1970s because baby boomers were hitting peak years of purchasing. You know, they were getting married, having kids, buying homes, cars. You also had females participating in the labor force. For the biggest increase was in the 70s. So he believes that that was a one-time phenomenon. I can't say that I necessarily disagree with that point. You know, find a man or a woman right now between the ages of 15 and 34 to go out and make $18 an hour asking if you want fries with that, right? It's just not happening for reasons that I can't explain why there's so many people that just won't work right now. But uh, I can't say I necessarily agree with his first point. Mr. Reader's second point is on supply and consumption patterns and how they've drastically changed since the 1970s 
and are extremely unlikely to turn course. So what he means is China entered the global market in 1979 and then the World Trade Organization in 2001. And he notes how this actually turned into an issue during the pandemic, right? When supply chains were pretty much bottlenecked due to the global shutdown. But I got to admit, this was a massive issue that, you know, most felt and it needs to be corrected. In the last few years, we've seen significant supply chain issues with essentials, such as baby formula, acetaminophen, prescription drugs. The movement over the last 50 years to offshore all those supply chains became a massive issue for this country. I don't know how it's going to play out, and the odds would be more in favor of just keeping the status quo in order to keep prices down over the long run. But if demand to bring those supply chains back to the U.S. increases, well, so will the price to create those products, which will obviously cause further inflation. But what's the benefit? Well, there'd be more supply chain stability. So it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Finally, Mr. Reader discusses oil production. In the 1970s, we had no domestic production. We were held captive by OPEC. We then became energy independent during the last decade, but we decided to change course on that for political reasons. My hope is that we get back to energy independence. It doesn't mean that I don't you know, believe in a healthy environment, but no one produces energy cleaner than this country. We're not the only house in the neighborhood here. If we truly care about climate change issues, let's bring that production back in-house. It's kind of a moot point if every other house in the neighborhood isn't holding up their end of the bargain. So what's interesting is the market is always forward-looking. In 2022, when it was announced we're going to close the domestic economy over 15 days to try to slow the spread, the S&P 500 dropped about 30% because it was pricing in tough and uncertain times. Then there was a rumbling of a vaccine and Operation Warp Speed, and the market started pricing in a reopen. After that, almost to the date that the vaccine first became available, the market then started to drop again because it realized, you know what? Even if we reopen, there's still gonna be hard times. You can't just shut the world off and expect to reopen in one day without a hitch. And now here we are with $8 eggs and the market is positive year to date over 4%. So I mentioned it on the first call and I'll keep saying it. The Hall of Fame of short-term forecasters has no one in it. Well. I, I really doubt that we're going to see an inflationary cycle, although I will say that all the economists in the administration are watching that very closely. As um, my colleagues have said, the CEA put, put out a blog post on this. We expect somewhat higher inflation over the next several months for a variety of essentially technical reasons because of something called base effects that in year-over-year -year comparisons right now, um, the months in which prices fell the most are moving out of the average, and that leaves us with the, number, with the months in which they were rebounding toward more normal levels. But um, that's, that's a transitory thing, not something that's associated with a buildup in wage, in wage pressures. Yeah, thanks a lot, Janet. Not a terrible course of action to be prudent and pay attention to your spending in 2023. It's always better to build the arc before the storm and with layoffs already starting, most notably in the tech sector, 
having a solid rainy day fund is probably not a bad idea. 10 years from now, when everyone has a chicken coop, you know, myself included, we'll reminisce about $8 eggs. But until then, make sure you're planning for tomorrow, but also protecting yourself for today. As always, thanks for spending some of your invaluable time with me. Remember folks, avoid the noise, stand your plan, and never stop learning. Until next time, take care.